Diwali, the Festival of Lights, is a vibrant and colorful celebration. We invite you to celebrate Diwali with a stroll through the enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens, adorned with lighted trees and displays on our half-mile paved trail with 500,000 sparkling lights at Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights in Vienna, Virginia. Get to Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights open November 10th through January 7th. Save time and money by purchasing a ticket online at winterwalkoflights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to experience the life-giving teaching of Bishop Kevin Foreman, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Center. To find out more about Dr. Foreman and Harvest Christian Center, visit our website at www.harvestcc.me. And no matter what, remember, love God, love people, and love life. Would you lift your Bibles high as you stand with me? We're going to grip right into this word tonight. Let's make our confession of faith together. Before we do that, somebody say, we are, we are harvest. harvest. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind are prepared to receive and apply the message. Amen. If you remain standing, go to James chapter 4, verse number 14. Don't forget, you can tweet me at Bishop Foreman or at Harvest underscore CC. You can also chat with us there uh, on the internet campus. James chapter 4, verse 14. Any thirsty people in the house? Bishop, what do you mean when you say thirsty? Did you come with expectation? Because if you came with expectation, the Lord's going to fill that tonight. James chapter 4, and uh, if you get to verse number 14, when you have it, say, I have it. If you're flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. That's all right. I will wait for all two of y'all. Let's see. ain't got it yet. <laughs> James chapter 4, verse 14. It says this, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Touch your neighbor. Say, don't play with life. Don't, 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 don't play with God. Cause, cause, because while you may feel like you're real in control today, life has a way of. Uh-huh. For what is your life? He, he says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor. That appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. In, in other words, look at the name and say, you don't have as much time as you play like you do. One more scripture. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Say, we are harvest. Hebrews chapter 9. Get to verse 27. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. You got it? Still flipping? Oh, wow. Okay. Everybody's there. Look at, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hebrews 9, 27, it says, and is it, a, it is appointed for men to die how many times? Once. How many times? Once. Once. Okay. Which means, look at me, Harvest. Look at me. This is not rehearsal. This isn't practice. 
this is the show. Okay. All right. It is appointed for men to die how many times? Once. And then after that, what? The judgment. <laughs> in other words, he's saying, in other words, he's saying he, he's trying to get to get the people to understand, listen, don't 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 play with life because because once it's over, it's over. Well, Bishop, what about dying and going to heaven? Well, I don't have time to fix your bad understanding about that. Not not tonight's message, but but the point is is that the purpose of him sending you from heaven to earth was not so you could go back to heaven having done nothing. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And which means before you got here to earth, you were with God in heaven. Which means God says, I sent you from heaven to earth to do something. Not just come back to me talking about I'm so glad to be back. Well, I'm not happy to see you if you ain't done nothing. Father, I decrease that you might increase. Speak to us in this place tonight that we might maximize the breath we've been given. We might maximize the seconds we've been given. We might maximize the minutes that we've been given. You did not send us from heaven to earth to just come back with a report that we paid some bills off. That's not what you sent us here for. You sent us so that we could do great exploits in your name and that your kingdom would be advanced. And so tonight, Father, help us to maximize the one life that we have to live. And we thank you for it is in Jesus name we pray somebody shout YOLO, YOLO. you only live once you can be seated tonight uh, last week we talked about when you're when you're in church sometimes you can lose sight about what this is all about and sometimes if you've not been in church or for some reason you fell away you can wonder what this is all about and we answered this question in the previous message uh, for what somebody say for what why do we sing to God? Why do we give? Why do we build buildings? Why do we have staff? Why do we serve? Why do we honor spiritual leadership? Why do we go to church? Why is all of this important? If you remember uh, in last week's message, I gave you three distinct uh, reasons that answered the question for what? The first was, do you remember? Okay, because Jesus really loves his church. We talked about how the gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. And we discovered last week that we are the church. Say, I am the church. Uh, the second reason we discovered for what? Why do we believe? Why do we pray? Why do we worship? Why do we give? It was for the big ask. There we go. Somebody came to church last week. It's for the big ask. A-S-K. It was so that we can invite anybody and everybody to experience the same life transformation that God is in the process of doing for you. Touch your neighbor say, I'm in process. Touch the other one say, I'm being transformed. Uh -huh. So don't judge me for where I am currently because I'm in process, which means the me that I am today is not going to be the me that I am next year. Can I take a pause for the cause for just a minute? I was looking back over the me that I have become over this net, these last 12 months, and I said, thank you, Jesus, because the me I was 12 months ago might have handled certain situations a little different, but I'm so glad that I'm in transformation. I'm so glad anybody can testify to that. Had this been 12 months ago and you've been dealing with some of the situations you're dealing with you may not have responded the way that you did but God's been working to work in your life and baby you may not be where you want to be but you ought to shout and thinking that you're not where you used to be the third reason for what it was to find out who you are we talked about how there were seven sectors of our society for us to take over and make the lords but to do that we must be equipped by the church so today I want to talk about YOLO shout it it's a popular subject, popular subject, uh, pop culture on Twitter. It's, it, it's an acronym for you only live. Say it, say it with me. You only live. Now, it is often when a person experiences once-in-a-lifetime uh, once type of event, but it's often used to excuse irresponsible and often destructive behaviors. 
So, so, so the world has termed uh, this phrase YOLO to be something negative, but I believe we serve a God to where we can take something that they meant to be negative and redeem it to represent something for God's glory. So when we say YOLO, we ain't talking about doing stupid stuff because you're acting stupid. We talked about maximizing the one life that we do have. I wish you'd shout YOLO in here. Yep. That's why I ain't got time to be sitting up crying over who don't want to act right. I ain't got time to be sitting up trying to get folk on the bus that don't want to get on the bus. Baby, YOLO. So we go with the goers. High five somebody say, I'm a goer, I'm a goer. Uh, you ain't got time to be sitting up playing games with folks and trying to figure out who's for you and who's against you. The way you judge them is by how they act. And do you judge them? Okay, y'all ain't going to say nothing to I don't have time for that because I only live once. How about your neighbor say YOLO? YOLO. No, 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 watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. We read uh, that in this life, <laughs> uh, it is appointed for men to die how many times? Once. Okay, which means you don't get to come back as a frog, a hog, a cat, a grasshopper. You don't get to come back and do it over. Okay, so, so we need to understand that. In fact, in the scripture, there were only two men and they didn't do it because of a do-over. They did it because God had specific purposes for them to accomplish. One was Enoch, who, who, who I won't get into. He'll return at some point. There were two Enochs. One of them was good. One of them wasn't. Uh, and the other was Elijah, who returned as John the Baptist. Uh, and, and he's gone now. Got it? Uh, but that was only because they were to accomplish something great. So now we have biblical precedent that, that, that we don't get to come back and have a do-over. Right. Now, now, Bishop, why are you saying that? Isn't, isn't that kind of sobering? That's kind of the point. Oftentimes, when we're going through our day-to-day stuff in life, we lose sight of the fact that this is it as it pertains to life. Now, now, now a lot of people, especially if you came up in church, you want to talk about, well, I'm going to die and go over there. Problem is, is you need to understand he sent you from over there down here so that you could do something down here. Touch your neighbor and say, stop rushing to get back. Stop talking about, I'm so tired. I can't wait until I go up to be with the Lord so I can rest. Is that what you think you're going to do? Okay. All right. Now, uh, so we read this. We understand that life is appointed for men to die how many times? Once. And that this life is like a what? A vapor. Now, imagine that. Have you ever, have you ever, has it ever been cold and, and, you, and, 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 and perhaps you, you, you saw your breath come out and then as quickly as you saw it, it quickly went away? That's what the Bible describes life as. It says it's, it's just as quick as you taking a breath, and by the time you've taken that breath, it's over. So here's my question, and I want you to ask your neighbor, say, what are you doing with your vapor? Wow, okay. Uh, we know that if you serve and love Jesus as a Christian, that you'll have eternal life. So why don't you shout and celebrate eternal life, okay? <laughs> Praise God. That's so exciting. Wonderful. Okay, great. But what are you doing with this one? That's wonderful that when you die, you're going to go to the sweet by and by in the great Beulah land. That's really nice. But what are you doing here? Do you mean to tell me he died and went to hell so that you can live in hell? He didn't suffer and bleed and die and pay that price so that we can live messed up, jacked up, dysfunctional lives. This isn't the rehearsal. This is the full production. Somebody shout YOLO. All right, so, so, so I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you three, three, three real simple things, three real simple things to do to maximize your life. It's three simple things to maximize life. Y'all with me? All right, here it is. First one, be the enemy's worst nightmare. 
I said, be the enemy's worst nightmare. Somebody in Pomona is hearing what I'm saying. I said, be the enemy's worst nightmare. Somebody in Raleigh is hearing what I'm saying. Be the enemy's worst nightmare. Watch this. The Bible tells us of a story of a man named Gideon whom God raises up in Judges chapter 6 through 8 to deliver his people from their enemies. Please understand, God often uses people to be solutions to other people's problems. It's interesting because God uses people that need help to help people. I wish I could tell you that God used perfect people to present a perfect gospel, but he doesn't. He uses imperfect people to present a perfect gospel to people that are imperfect. So the, it's very interesting because God uses folk that need help to help folk. You ever sat up and wondered to yourself, how in the world is it that you're giving somebody spiritual, telling them to pray and telling them to worship, and you thinking to yourself, you need to be telling yourself to pray. You need to be telling yourself to worship. I got an announcement for you. God uses people that need help to help other people. Watch this. Gideon, his name meant mighty warrior. Say warrior. warrior. Uh, one of his names, he was called Jerubbabel, which means this. His name literally means let Baal plead or contend with him. Now, Baal was one of the, it was the title of a false god, the god of the moon. And it literally meant let Baal plead or contend with. In other words, Gideon was the personification of the enemy's worst nightmare. I got an announcement for somebody tonight. Stop worrying about the enemy. Stop talking about the devil. Stop talking about Satanists and start being his worst nightmare. Get to the point to where when Satan sees you, he says, God talking. That joker got up again. I tried to knock him out last year and it didn't work. I tried to knock him out with somebody lying on him. It didn't work. I tried to knock him out with discouragement but it didn't work. I wish you'd have five, two or three people and say, I'm his worst enemy. Be the kind of person that when your feet hit the ground out of laying in the bed at the middle of the night, that Satan says, doggone it, I couldn't kill him. Doggone it, I can't get rid of him. They're like the Energizer Bunny. They just, they just keep going and going and going and go And you think they'd be ready to quit by now, but they're more entrenched than ever. You think they'd be ready to throw in the towel by shout more than ever. Why? Because I'm Gideon, baby. I'm the enemy's worst nightmare. He should have killed you while he had the church. I wish I had a church full of Gideons in him. He should have took you out while you were on that pipe. He should have took you out while you were on that bottle. But he didn't and it's too late. Shut up. I'm the enemy's worst nightmare. He should have got you while you had that knife to your wrist, but he didn't. He should have got you while you had that bottle of pills next to your bed, but he didn't. He should have got you in that car accident, but he didn't, and it's too late now. Say, I am Gideon, the enemy's worst nightmare. Gideon or Jerubbabel, it means... He, he, he had, watch this y'all, he had a holy frustration and he wasn't satisfied with the condition of his people or his region. Uh, he, he asked God, he said, where are all of the great things that you've done before? He said, I've heard the stories of how you parted the Red Sea, but I want to see it for myself. He said, I've heard the stories of all these great things you've done for other people, but I want to see some great stuff for myself. See, please understand, you can be thankful but not satisfied. Don't confuse not being satisfied as also being ungrateful or unthankful. 
there is a difference between being content and complacent. You, you need to hear what I'm saying. I, I wish you were here. Uh, please understand, Gideon said, God, I'm thankful, but I am not yet satisfied. I'm not satisfied because you didn't make me to like average. You didn't make me to like losing. You didn't make me to like being at the bottom of the barrel. And so I'm thankful, but I'm not satisfied. I'm grateful, but I'm not satisfied. Other people would kill to have the stuff that I'm saying something about, but I'm not satisfied. Anybody like that sometimes in your life? Well, you say, God, I'm thankful, but there's stuff I'm not satisfied about. God, I'm grateful, but there's stuff I'm not satisfied about. And I'm here to tell somebody that sometimes God has to keep you in a place to where you're unsatisfied because he knows your bloodline and he knows that your bloodline has a history of being lazy. Y'all ain't going to say nothing tonight, so I might as well preach the way I want to. He knows your bloodline has a history of throwing in the towel. He knows your bloodline has a history of giving up because they're scared of their own shadows. So sometimes God has to put a holy frustration on the inside of you to make sure that you don't repeat the dysfunction of the folk that have come before you. Gideon said, I don't just want to read about how great you are. He said, I want to experience it myself. Watch this, y'all. There are a lot of people that started out with Gideon <laughs> that didn't make it all the way through. And you know what I figured out? Uh, what I figured out is I figured out how to count different. Bitch, what you mean counting different? You need to stop looking at subtraction as subtraction. Subtraction to me is addition. Because you don't understand how God does math. God often does the antithesis of what you think he should do to get the result that he desires for you. <sighs> okay. I, I, I. So when so-and-so say, I'm leaving, say, thank you. Don't threaten me with a good time. Oh, was I supposed to strike? Was I supposed to be scared? You, you, <sighs> A lot of people started out with Gideon. They didn't make it all the way through. Some people were full of fear. Some people were full of fear. They were scared. The problem with being scared is that you often call what you think is wisdom. You're just, okay, I want to say it a certain way. What you, what, you, what, you, what you propagate to others and expostulate to others as you being wise is really a cover-up for you being a punk. Oh, y'all don't like it? <laughs> you should have asked the bishop that cared. <laughs> you asked me questions, I ain't come to answer. What you sometimes are calling wisdom is really a justification for your mediocrity. You ain't fooling nobody but yourself. Well, what if I'm not good enough? But what if you are? But what if I'm not going to do a good job? But what if you do? You're stuck in a place called what if. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me, so I can translate. Punk there just means one who does not take full advantage of things God gives them because they're scared. <laughs> Touch your neighbor say, if you believe it, say amen. Touch him say, if you believe it, say amen. If you believe it, say amen. If you believe it, say amen. <laughs> Some are full of fear. 
And so, and so literally, the Lord tells Gideon, he says, listen, tell all the ones that are scared to go home. <laughs> so Gideon, Gideon got up and Gideon's like, Lord, all these, these people aren't fearful. He's like, they're going to think of me. And so literally thousands of people just, oh, that's, oh, he's, he's scared. That's my cue. See, what you need to understand is sometimes the places you're going require a content of character of people that are superior to the people you currently have around you. So the first people, they were scared, so they just left. But then some of them were too prideful. Some of them were too prideful, and they were too selfish to, to do anything. Some said, I'm not lapping up water. One of the things they had to do was lap up water. Like, I'm not doing that. And so the Lord was like, good, go home. And, and, and it was interesting because the Lord, watch this, it was the Lord who whittled down Gideon's army. He started with thousands, but it got down to 300 people. And so it was interesting because watch this, well, touch, touch the neighbor and say, this is going to get good for you. The Lord, watch this, wanted to ensure that the victory that was obtained, they knew came by his hand and not by the hands of man. Can, can, I, can, I, can I help you with something? Sometimes it is God that stacks the deck so he ensures he gets all the glory. Sometimes God will deal you a bad hand and look at it and say, now I know that was rough, he said, but I just want to see you play it because I want you to lean on me. In the old church, they used to sing a song said, we've come this far by faith. And you know how they said it? We did it leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He's never failed me. Yeah. But now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Say, <laughs> some were too prideful. Some were full of fear. Some were too selfish. But, but say, I'm different. Say, I am the enemy's worst nightmare. There were so many more enemies than warriors that Gideon had with him, but they knew that God was with them, that they were unstoppable. Hear me. Let me make, it, let me make this for our house. We've been sent to raise up an army that's the enemy's right, uh, worst nightmare. God sent you to harvest and sent you to this pastor because together we're supposed to turn every region we have a campus in upside down for Jesus to Christ. You might say, Bishop, how? Well, we exist to change lives by leading people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church and global locations. So let me be clear. We are in the business of changing lives, black lives, white lives, Latin lives, Asian lives, Arab lives, every age, every race, every color, every background, every pedigree, every economic situation, everybody anywhere, no previous church experience necessary. Have have somebody say you look like Gideon. Tell them. And if it was a woman, you'd just like, Gideonessa, you Gideonessa. <laughs> All right, so, so first thing, shout YOLO. YOLO. First thing, be the enemy's worst nightmare. You, you, know, you, you know what you ought to do? You ought to get, you, you ought to, no, no, don't do this before you go to work or nothing. Don't do it, especially if you work on the phones. Don't, don't do this before you get on the phones. But you know how you do? You ought to get real mad. Bishop, what do you mean get real mad? You ought to look at some stuff. Because people, people, you sing songs like, I'm going to the enemy's camp and taking back everything he stole from me. You ain't going to get that much because most of it you gave to him. So if the qualification is to take what the devil stole, well, then you, just, you can take you a little, uh, one of them little bags from the Chinese food restaurant. Thank you. Come again. But if you want to get the stuff you gave up to him, You ought to just get mad one day and say, I'm going to make that sucker pay. 
And you can't get mad. Like, you, when you get mad, you got to have an ugly face to go with it. Like, I can't, I'm going to make him pay. See, you ain't mad enough. You get mad, we just... Okay. Okay. Number two, I will tell you a story. I don't have time. Number two, press toward the high calling. Press toward the high calling. Say, I have a high calling. When you're born again and when you become a Christian, your citizenship reflects that of heaven and you receive what the Bible refers to as the high calling or the upward calling. Now, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, it says this, brethren, say, that's us. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. In other words, uh, he, he says, I haven't arrived. You, you know the problem with most people is past success. Because past success uh, deceives them into thinking they've arrived. Who cares what you did in 88? Have you checked the calendar lately? It is not 19 and the 88. It got real quiet right there. Apparently, I stepped on your sacred cow. So let me go on and kill it and get some burgers up out this joker. The apostle says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I've not arrived. In other words, he's saying, yes, watch this, handkerchiefs taken from my body healed people, but I'm not there yet. I still got growing to do. I still got learning to do. I still got people to see. I still got places to go. He says, I have not arrived. But he said, there's one thing I do know how to do. Okay, preach yourself happy for me. Yes, sir, I will. Sometimes you got to have a conversation with yourself. He says, this one thing I learned how to do well. Paul was a man that he started out, uh, his, or part of his life, he started out as, a, as most Jewish boys would. He started out wanting to be a rabbi. He started out wanting to be a man of God, and he excelled at it. He was part, it is believed by many, to part of the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish high council. In other words, it was the religious supreme court. You still with me? And Paul started out by killing Christians. And one day the Lord knocks him off of his animal onto his posterior. And the Lord says, Paul, it is me that you are persecuting. Paul goes through this transformative period in his life and he becomes a sent one with a special message, an apostle. Are you still with me? But now check this out. It is interesting because Paul, for all of the things he had done wrong, God used Paul in a great way. Somebody say, that's good. But Paul went through a lot of hell. Paul had a lot of people that started out with him, but they weren't found to be faithful. He tells a lot of the stories, and he talks about a lot of the pain he had to endure. He talks a lot about the issues that he had to endure. Paul talks about how even he was stoned and how he was beaten to death, all because of this Jesus that he was now serving. It is one thing to have never had, but it's another thing to have reached what many say is the pinnacle of life being part of the Jewish high council and now you're sitting here being stoned now you're sitting here in a prison cell in the middle of the night with a man named Silas Ooh, but they know how to praise God and because they knew how to okay yeah all right are you still here so Paul went through a lot of hell. Paul was sitting on an island one time, and the scripture says that a viper came out and bit his hand. But Paul said, do you know who you're dealing with? I've been through way too much. They didn't kill me a few times, and you think this little bite from you is going to... So, Bishop, why are you telling us all of that? Because Paul says, I don't think I've arrived. But he says, there's one thing life's taught me how to do. 
said there's one thing that life has taught me how to do I forget those things which are behind I ain't got nobody to shout for me I'll shout by my own self and I reach forward to those things which are ahead which means if you're going to live this life the way God intended for you to you're going to have to bury what's back there and let it be dead Paul said I forgot about it but I'm reaching Paul said, I'm in pain, but I'm reaching. I don't understand it, but I'm re anybody reaching in here tonight. He said, I... He said, he said, life's taught me. Life's, life's taught me, Paul said. Forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know you can't occupy two days at the same time? The scripture says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, see, we're all in the same date, but we're not all on the same day. Some are in the seventh day. You're enjoying the rest of the Lord. Some are in the eighth day. Uh, it's a new beginning. For those of you who can't count, I'm in the eighth day. <laughs> It's a new beginning. It's a new season. Show is a new day. He said, give us this day our, our daily bread. Somebody said, Bishop, I don't, I don't get it. What, what is he saying? What does he mean? Eighth day. It, it is the mindset of life that you're operating in. So the mindset of life that you're operating in determines the day that you're in. Do you follow? So some of you, some of you, 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 you don't listen to nobody. So, so you're in the sixth day, the day of man. You're, you're in the day of your flesh. Because can't nobody tell you nothing because you grown. <laughs> well, how about you have some grown fruit with all that neck and quit moving your neck like you're going to pop it off. And you... Can't nobody tell you nothing, but yet your fruit looks like you're a four-year-old. Oh, y'all don't like this kind of teaching, huh? You so grown, have some grown fruit. You a man, have some man fruit. You a woman, have some big girl fruit. <laughs> I got my own shouting section. On Sunday, I want y'all to put me some seats back here, and I'm going to put some people, some, some voice tracks where they will shout. say 14. I press toward the goal. Look, for the prize. Humans work by reward. Why do people exercise? Oh, I just want to be healthy. Probably not. Probably not. You, you, you probably have a prize in mind. Ladies, let me talk to the ladies. You got something in the back of your closet that you ain't worn since 94. And you've been laying your hands over it all day. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just believe it. I just received it. Hey, 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 I just received it. <laughs> Fellas, you saw some, you know, Zeus-looking dude. <laughs> he getting everybody hugged because everything is a perpetual hug. <laughs> 
he always doing harvest hugs. This is good morning, <laughs> good evening, <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> so now you have created a reward in your mind. That's how we work. Okay, okay, that's how we work. You, 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 we, we set goals because we want the reward. So now, so, so touch your neighbor and say, there's nothing wrong with a reward. It says, I pressed toward the goal for the prize, for the reward. He said, I want a reward. Okay. You, okay, let me, let me, I need to make sure we get it. Uh, any arcade people, you like games, playing games, arcade games, okay. Okay, so let's use another analogy. Because <laughs> only the two and a half of y'all that raised your hands, about, about four or five of y'all was lying, but that's okay. You just, uh, uh, okay, 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 there we go. I think I'll try that one. Okay, any Candy Crush addicts? Okay, I can't use that one either. They won't even admit. See, the first step to dealing with your issue. <laughs> so y'all are making this tough, okay? All right. Anybody got something you want? All right, okay, fine. <laughs> making this so tough. <laughs> when you have something that you want, got it? It creates, watch this, corresponding action to get it. Now, what God often does is God says, you want this? Okay, great. Let's see some corresponding action that says that. I press toward the goal for the prize or the reward for the upward call or the high call of God in Christ Jesus. So watch this. Often people say, get Jesus, get Jesus, get Jesus. That's not the problem. We have Jesus. We got bu Jesus bumper stickers, Jesus t-shirts, Jesus rings, Jesus pieces, Jesus Reese's, Jesus pieces. We got everything. We just don't know what Jesus has or what he gives us. So Matthew 6.33 says, seek ye first the kingdom. Now, now here's what, if you came up in church, here's what they told you, just go after Jesus. Here's the problem. Jesus didn't tell you to go after Jesus. Jesus didn't say, come after me. No, no, no. He said, not first. Uh, he says, seek ye first the kingdom, not Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is king of what you're seeking. I'm going to make it make sense for you in a moment. Because oftentimes we make declarations about allegiance, allegiances that we espouse to have to people, but yet our allegiances aren't to the things that that person's allegiances are to. Oh, God, I got to say it here. So it's disingenuous for you to say you love me, but you don't love what I love. Okay. It's disingenuous for somebody to say I like you, but they don't like what you like. So Jesus says, if you love me, love what I love. So that's why he didn't say seek me. He said, seek my kingdom. Cause I, okay. All right. All right. All right. Watch this. Watch this. So the word kingdom in Greek is basilia, which means realm royalty rule or reign say realm, realm. Royalty. royalty rule, rule. Reign. reign okay so realm just deals with for example uh your house that's your realm hopefully uh, you, you you should you, you should be okay I, somebody's pulling on me if if there's issues with you being at your own house Then whoever's up in there, realm, royalty, rule, reign, <laughs> say kingdom. kingdom. He says, okay, 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 seek ye first the kingdom of God, okay, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God, seek ye first the kingdom of God, seek ye first the realm, royalty, rule, 
reign. Got it? And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, now, seek ye first his, which is his. Now, 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 check this out. Check this out. Uh, uh, well, now, question is, okay, but Bishop, where is that? Touch your neighbor and say, where is that? Okay. Luke 17, 21 tells us where it is. It says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, his realm, royalty, rule, reign is within you. This explains why you've had so many identity crises through your life. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Ecclesiastes 3.11. Now, can, can, I, can I connect these dots for us? Ecclesiastes said the kingdom is in me. All right. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. God, if I had time, if I had more than the time on that clock, I would deal with this. He, makes, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Which, okay. All right. Okay. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Hearts in Hebrew, more often than not, is the word lev, which means mind. So he has put eternity in their lev, their mind, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. See, here's what you want. You want God, Lord, just tell me. And God's issue is you've not done anything with what I told you. So for me to tell you something new would create a level of frustration in you. Okay. Some, okay. So the word eternity, he has put eternity in their hearts. It means, watch this, it, it is the word, you ready for this? Heaven. And he has put heaven in the Greek. Heaven is the word oranos. Not Ecclesiastes; it would be Hebrew, but I'll give it to you in the Greek. It's the word oranos, which means happiness, power, eternity. Okay, right, I'm gonna give y'all one last chance. One last chance. <laughs> Bishop, give me one more chance. Give me, give me one more chance. I'm going to give you one more. Ecclesiastes 3.11. So, so the word eternity is the word heaven. It means God's perspective, happiness, power, eternity, the abode of God. Okay, got it? Put, put the verse up. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has put heaven. His realm. Which means God says, you're supposed to be heaven. Which means I'm not looking for somebody else to bring it to me. I had it in myself. You know why you keep trying to hook up with people and it doesn't work? Because you think getting a relationship is going to solve your individual problems. Heaven is in you. Touch your neighbor and say, it's in you. All right, so, so someone's like, okay, so what does he mean? Here it is, the high calling. 
is when you use your life to be heaven on earth or the kingdom, his rule, his realm, his royalty, got it, for others. That's the high calling. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Where you use your life to be heaven on earth, not just for you, but for others. The high calling is when your life becomes greater than you. Not just on Sundays and Wednesdays. Not just when the bishop sees you. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, even on every Oh God, y'all don't know how to finish the song in Denver? Every day of the week. Okay. You can change the world, hear me Harvest, right from where you are. You don't just work at your job, you're sent there on a high calling. You don't just go to school, you're sent there on a high calling. Calling, uh, it, it means this, it's an invitation to something greater than you. So we often talk about what we want Jesus to do for us. I got a question. What are you doing for Jesus? What are you doing for his church? Your campus ought to be overflowing because of all the people you're reaching. See, it got real quiet right there. Where is your desire or passion for Jesus? Have you forgotten what he's done for you? He did not heal you so you could sit up on your blessed assurance and talk about how you're healed. He healed you so you can now be a conduit, an instrument of healing to help heal others. But that's a high calling. You know why it's a high calling? Because the low calling is all about what you can do for yourself. Selfish people are, 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 are an interesting breed because selfish people, every decision they make, if it requires their personal discomfort, they deduce it's not God. So often people who think they're very giving, they're really selfish because they give to the extent that it's comfortable. But when the high calling calls you to a place of discomfort, it ain't God. Could it just be you're a punk? Y'all don't like this kind of preaching. Put, put a tape on to somebody else. That you're like, I, Could it just be that you're so used to living for yourself that God says, I would love to use you to change the lives of others, but you're so selfish because you won't get uncomfortable. Can I tell you, every great man of God that God's used in this Bible had to surrender to the high calling. They didn't do it because it was comfortable. They did it because he said to. Moses didn't want to be a deliverer, but he said, God, all right, I'll do it. This is what you're trying to say. The high calling is often an uncomfortable calling. Because it requires a stretch. It's not comfortable. It, it requires, it requires change. <laughs> okay. <sighs> the high calling. Now you said you were getting earlier. <laughs> You know what Gideon didn't want to do? It. See, nobody in this Bible ever wanted to do what he originally, what he said. <laughs> Me included. I'm not in the Bible, but I'm a living epistle. No, but nobody wanted to do it. Gideon was like, I'm the, weak, I'm the weakest of my clan. I don't know. I'm the, come on, I'll, you know, get some, plenty of other qualified people. In fact, I'll bring you some resumes. Lord, I, I will help you find them. 
but I don't want to do it. And God said, you are the mighty man of valor, and you're going to do it. And I will turn up the hell in your life as hot as I need it to go until you give me what I want. Test your neighbor and say, get the Lord what it was, get the Lord what it was. Can I preach like an old Baptist preacher for a moment? And God just wants a yes. Won't you, won't you just give him a yes? What, won't he do it? Right. So, nobody ever wanted. To, it was never anybody's first, like, first desire. Not because the people didn't love God. It's just because it just, it just, God often does this thing. Scripture says, those that he calls, he then qualifies and justifies. Which means he doesn't call those that are already qualified and justified. He makes a call and then he qualifies and justifies. You keep waiting for this thing to just happen. And God is saying, it's not. Amen. Trace. Third point. I'm through. Bishop, what are you trying to do? I'm just trying to get you to understand something. Because, because often, the, what you say you desire and what you currently have and possess, it requires stepping up to a higher calling. And, and I would be a poor pastor if I didn't tell you the reality of that and make you think that everything you want is accessible in comfort. I, I, it would be irresponsible. I'd be irresponsible to the text. I'd be irresponsible to God. And see, the scripture says I have to stand and give an account to him. So everything I say to you, I got to answer to him for why I said it. So since that's what I have to do, I'm going to tell you what I need to tell you. Does it make sense? So I'm just trying to get you to understand. Sometimes, because often as humans, we view resistance. At, oh, maybe this is the Lord's way of telling me not to do it. <laughs> okay, could y'all be honest? Come on, be, how many of you in the last 30 days you had something like that? Just be honest with me. Maybe this is the Lord's way of saying no. Because you know, and then you'll try to act, see, you try to say it's wisdom. Because sometimes with God, child, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't not, it ain't no, it's just not right now. So maybe this resistance is telling me it ain't time right now. Well, then tell that to Moses when he was standing at the Red Sea. Guess it wasn't time. Guess, guess it wasn't time. I guess it was, it was easy to go back to Egypt for a little while. Till Pharaoh felt a little bit more comfortable about letting him go. Duh. Tell that to Jesus while he is sweating drops of blood. Saying, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Tell that to Jesus. I guess it just wasn't time to die. Let him go to hell. It ain't time for me to die yet. Because he had resistance. Duh. I just want us to understand that. That when you're in the moments where life is stretching you, those are the moments to say, stretch on, baby. Stretch on, Jesus. Stretch. Stretch. <laughs> Stretch me to the east. <laughs> Stretch me to the west. Stretch me in the places he knows best. 
Because if, if comfort is your criteria for God, then you've probably experienced the best quality of life you'll ever have. You've already had it. You've just probably already had it. So you've been where you're going. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I just, I just need us to understand that. And the stretch only is uncomfortable to your flesh. Your spirit rejoices. Your flesh is the only thing with an attitude. Okay, I can see y'all don't like me meddling here. So let me, let me go on and move on. Let, let's go on and move on. Number trace. Numero trace. Act like a Nazarite. Act like a Nazarite. Now, some of you are like, Bishop, I don't know what that is. I'll, I'll make it plain for you. I'm not saying you should literally take the Nazarite vow, but I'm saying we should put the principles the Nazarites follow in the scripture in play. Now, stay with me. You can only become a Nazarite in scripture by a verbal declaration. Now, this declaration could be as minor as somebody saying, me too, as a Nazarite passed by. See? Okay. No, hang on. There are certain things that you say, and God says, do you know what you just asked for? Okay. I, 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 I. So, so Samson was a Nazarite. Samuel, the prophet, was a Nazarite. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. James was a Nazarite. The apostle Paul was a Nazarite. It's believed by many that Jesus took the Nazarite vow. Now watch this. A Nazarite refers to one who voluntarily took a vow described in number six, uh, chapter six, verses one through twenty-one. We're not going there uh, in this teaching, but you can go look at it in your own in your own in your own time. There were three distinct sections to the vows that they took, and this is this is what I want to encourage you to do. Shout YOLO. You only live once. Now, let me be clear for all of those of you that are uh, theologically erudite. Uh, I do understand as a Christian, we have eternal life. Nobody's denying that. What I'm saying is, is, but here, down here, YOLO. YOLO. Got it? Okay, got it? Now, Now, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. There were three distinct areas to the vows they made. The first is that they were consecrated. The vow said that they could not become impure, watch this, by going to corpses or touching corpses or by even visiting graves, even the graves of family members. You, you're, not, you're, not, you're not hearing me. You, you, you know what I mean? you, you're not hearing me. Say consecrated. God said when they took the vow of the Nazarite, they, they were setting themselves apart. And God said, do not become impure by touching dead folk or by even taking your feet to a grave site, even someone that was endeared to you. Okay, okay. Bishop, what's the principle? Uh, uh, please understand, why are you talking to your past? Yesterday is dead for a reason. Yesterday is over for a reason. The Nazarites couldn't touch dead stuff because it would break their consecration. Okay. Okay. 
okay. You know when God's ready to do something new because often something old shows up. Oh, I'll get a shout there. Who am I preaching to there? You know God is like, I'm trying to do something brand new, but something old and showed up. And I'm trying to see if you're going to act like a Nazarite or you're going to act like a fool. I'm trying to figure out which one of you are. Ain't you been through enough hell to... God, you, you, you normally know, normally not all the time, all the time, all the time. How'd they find your number? Okay, since y'all won't shout amen, <laughs> I'm going to get a little apostolic and prophetic. Number two, number two, number two, number two. They were consecrated, but the second thing, they were motivated. Say motivated. motivated. Say it again, say motivated. motivated. Here's, what, here's, what, here's what the vow they took. It said they had to abstain from wine, from wine vinegar, from grapes, from raisins, intoxicating liquors, and vinegars distilled from such, and refrain from eating or drinking any substance that contains any trace of grapes. Now, now, now that's what they, that was the literal vow. But now, here's what I want you to understand. Say, Bishop, Bishop. what's the principle? Okay, watch this. God has called the people of Harvest to be peculiar people. We are kings and priests. We are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. I don't go to Harvest. I am Harvest. So, yes, we are Bible-toting, note-taking, tithing, offering, first fruit and CD listening, God-loving, people-loving, life-loving, church t-shirt wearing 10 minutes early on everything, praying over our food, excited about our church. Look, because we're peculiar people, we're motivated. We're motivated. We're motivated. That's just, that's just who we are. We're just motivated people. Doesn't it? Is that motivate? motivate. Now, please understand, motivation oftentimes is contrary to the environments in which we dwell. That's why it's sometimes very difficult to stay motivated. January 1, everybody was in the gym. Uh, not so much these days. January 1, you couldn't find a parking spot getting in the gym. Today, they have concierge, VIPs, to, uh, 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 parking service. To put to you. Touch your neighbor say, if you can fight, you can fight. To, stay to stay motivated, you'll never lose. You know how people lose? Because they lose their motivation. Because they think motivation is the responsibility of somebody else. Motivation is your own responsibility. Which means you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you got what it takes. You're going to do it. Let's make it happen. Quit your crying. Cry them all. Let's make something happen. Say something. Do something. Move something. Motivation is your responsibility. Not God's. So, so we got to fight to stay motivated. Got to fight to stay motivated. You hear what I'm telling you? You got to fight to stay motivated. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, can I give you something real practical there? So, so what do you do for motivation? What are you doing for motivation? Okay, that's nice loving the Lord, but that's real nice. But you got to, you got to, you got to, we got to do more. Just say we got to do more. Okay, because loving the Lord is good, but if loving the Lord was sufficient enough, then why aren't you motivated? Does that make sense? 
And then if I, could, if I had time to teach you like you were thirsty, church, if I had time to teach you, the scripture says, if you love him, you do what he says. Jesus said, see, I just love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right. Okay, good. Jesus said, I'll know that you love me because you do what I say. Let's leave that alone. Say motivation. motivation. Okay, so what do you do to stay motivated? What's in front of you? What do you look at when you open your eyes? What's, on, what, what's in your house? What are you reading? Okay, what, what, are you, what, are, what are you reading? What's on the television? You know, some of y'all are so messy, used to be. <laughs> No, you ain't no more. No. The Lord didn't work that up out of you, ain't he? Ain't he worked it up out of you? But you know how people get messy? People get messy. People get messy because they consume mess. Somebody tweeted that. They like that one. You, 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 you get messy when you consume mess. See, garbage in. So what are you doing to stay motivated? What are you doing? I have a motivation routine, and I tweak it every now and then. I stay motivated. I think I've told y'all this before. It's really none of your business, but I'll just tell you to help you. Um, in, in, in where I, where I, where I in, in my, see, we don't call this a sanctuary, because sanctuary means hiding place. We ain't coming in to hide. We coming in here to be trained to rain. You ain't running in here to run from nothing. So, so that's why we use the term sanctuary, because it, it infers hiding place. But uh, we use the term auditorium, so you can hear. Faith comes by. Okay, all right, all right. Not by hiding, by hearing. So watch this. Uh, uh, in, my, in, my, in my environment, I keep an environment that keeps me motivated. So I have, I, have, I have a jungle. Well, two animals, really, but they make up a jungle. I have lions and I have eagles. And, and, then, and, then, and then some harvesters were real nice. They got me some elephants. So now I got, a th- now I got the three, three animals, three animals. Well, it's multiple animals, but it's three different types, you follow? Because I got a lion here, I got a lion there, I got a lion everywhere. Here's, here's the point. I, it's important to me that every time I turn around, I am seeing something that is motivating me. Because I already know, watch this, come here, command your year. I already know that the day... would like to do what it would try to accomplish in demotivating me. So I create an environment to where everywhere I look, I'm motivated. So when I'm turning my air conditioner on, I got signs above it reminding me that excellence is a lifestyle. I have signs reminding me that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I keep, I, I, I keep every song for me. This is for me. And then I'll move on. Am I helping anybody? I just say motivated. motivated. I, I keep, I keep this, uh, I, I keep every, every season uh, I have noticed as a pattern in my life. Every season has a song. And so different seasons have different songs. Anybody ever felt like that? Is this different seasons of your life? Is this a song? You're like, I don't even know. I just, that song. This is a song. And so, and so, and so when I identify the song of the season, then I ensure that that song is playing everywhere I go. It's with me everywhere I go. Why? Because I need to remind myself of the season I'm in. 
So that's why for one season, about every worship experience, we're saying, this is my season. For grace and for favor. And, and then the song says, everything is working. Because I needed to make sure that it was declared to the atmosphere. Doesn't even say, what are you doing to stay motivated? Okay, what, what are you doing to stay motivated? Because motivation, 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 like success is an inside job. You got to keep something in front of you that's going to motivate you. That's why if you don't have any vision for your future, you're very discouraged about life because you don't have any vision for your future. If you got a vision for your future, you wouldn't be discouraged. Why? Because humans need something to look forward to. I know that about myself. I need something to look forward to. If I don't have something, I'll make something to look forward to. I'll create something to look forward to because if I don't, I already know the effect it has on my psyche. Some say, Bishop, but I just don't know. Look forward to Sunday. <laughs> Okay, I, 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 third thing, third thing, and I'm through, about these Nazarites. Because remember, we're talking about what? YOLO. And, and, the, and the principle was, act like a Nazarite. Nazarites take vows. Three components of the vow. The first component is they are. Second is they are. Third is they are dedicated. The vow said this. They had to refrain from cutting the hair on one's head, but they had to allow the locks of uh, their head's hair to grow. They had to allow locks to grow. They couldn't, they couldn't cut their hair. Now, some might say, well, what was the purpose of this? What was, this? what was the purpose of them doing this with their hair? In fact, the hair was so powerful. Can I teach you for just a moment? The hair was so powerful that Delilah, whose name means one who weakens or makes poor, she had to ensure that she got the secret to what it was that made Samson so strong. Because she didn't know because she wasn't a Nazarite. She was a Philistine. She was an invader. So the invader gets with Samson and says, I need to know why you're so strong. Now, Samson, having some previous experience with bad relationship decisions, says, I'm not telling you why. It's a Hebrew word, none your business. And none your business in Hebrew means none your business. In Greek, it also uh, coincidentally has the same meaning. None of your business. And he said, I'm not telling you the source of my strength. Now, here's what's interesting about Samson. She asked him this question repeatedly. Start paying attention, interruption, to the questions people ask you. Because there are certain questions that reveal that sometimes the projected motive is not the actual motive. I come back to Samson. I, I don't understand why Samson never asked her, why do you want to know that? Who do you work for? Why do you care? It ain't your hair. It ain't your strength. So she, so, so she keeps asking, she keeps asking. And a couple of times, a couple of times, a couple of times, she set up with some of the Philistines and they came in and they tried to ambush Samson because Samson was a Nazarite. Samson was like, mm, you know, he was just like, nah. He's like, nah, back up, back up. She was like, oh my God, oh my God. And so they were going. <laughs> now look at verse 13. Judges 16, 13. Very good. A wonderful job. Delilah, one who weakens or makes poor, Say it to the strong warrior. That's what his name means. 
Until now, you've mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. She said, what can I use to, to mess you up? Now, you know, you know, you know, here's the thing. I, you know, okay. Like, like, why do you, again, like, why do you want to know? You know, when people ask me questions, none of their business, I ask them for their social security number. <laughs> Bishop, I want to know, so I say, great, what's your social? None of my business. You see how that works? You see how that works? It ain't none of my business. See, it's a mutual thing. It ain't none of your business. What do you need to know for? Ain't got nothing to do with what's coming through this mic. That ain't none of your business. Put the verse up. <laughs> you need to do that with people. They ask you stuff that they know. They just be like, how much money is in your bank account? None of my business. Right, right. Now, don't be rude and mean to people. If somebody says, good morning, how are you? <laughs> okay, come on. Don't, don't play them. Because I know Denver. I know y'all. Y'all shout and say you understand it out here and then go out there and ask 45 people millions of questions. So I understand how y'all do it. So don't do that. Touch him say, don't do that. Here's the verse. I got to finish. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of a loom, keep going real quickly. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. Look, she said, the Phil Samson. So she did what he said. So he told her that answer to test her. But then, okay, okay, there it is. I know why the Lord took me here. He told her that to test her. And after the Lord revealed to him who she was, she still didn't want to believe what was revealed. Okay, I got it now. I got it now. You, let, you said, Lord, show me my friends. He showed you, and you still running with them jokers. He's, you asked him to show you. He showed you. Message. Verse. I knew, I was wondering, somebody was taking me somewhere. Whenever I say somebody's pulling or something like that, literally somebody has prayed or somebody is in the process of praying during the worship experience and the Holy Ghost picks that up in the atmosphere and he picks it up and then he'll change the whole direction I'm going. See, that's why when you come to harvest, you ought to be praying there, sitting in your seat saying, Lord, I need an answer to this because God will throw that thing in the atmosphere and he'll pick it up and somehow he'll answer something that ain't in my notes, but it's in the spirit. She says, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the baton and the web from the loom. Keep going. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and not told me where your great strength lies. Put the verse. There he is. Verse. And it came to pass that she pestered him daily with her words. And she pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Let me, let me tell you what life tries to do to you sometimes. Sometimes life tries to just wear you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It just tries to wear you and wear you and wear you and wear you and wear you. And then so sometimes, sometimes you'll say stuff like this, Lord, I, I'm just tired. You ever been there? 21, talking about I'm tired. And for those who say, no, nah, Bishop, tell him, no. And you 51, talking about you tired. I mean, you 61, talking about you tired. You, what, you, what you done to be tired? I raised three kids, and so have millions of others. 
I've been through a lot. And so have billions of others. I'm a single parent. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Called a single parent club. You're not the only one. Tired. Verse, and it came to pass, she wore him down daily with her words. Watch this. Look at me. Look at me. Somebody is doing something right here. Sometimes it's not the words people are saying. Sometimes it's the words you're saying to yourself. And you're wearing yourself down. Because when you should be doing, you sitting up thinking. While you should be praying, you shouldn't up contemplating. And God says you're wearing yourself down. It's the beginning of the day and you're already tired. How are you tired? And you just woke up. You're tired because you're wearing yourself down. Verse, I'm done. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words. Sometimes those are your words. And you're playing it through your mind. What if it doesn't work? 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 I don't know. What if it doesn't work? And let's be honest. We've all done it. Come on. Can we have an honesty moment? We've all done it. What, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And you're sitting up here playing a horror movie. So you know what Satan does? He's like, I, thanks. <laughs> I ain't even got to do nothing to you. You did it to yourself. You talked yourself out of the blessing. You, okay. Okay, come on. Can we preach this thing out? Y'all, will y'all help me do it? And she pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. It got to the point to where he said, I, I just can't take it anymore. And you need to be real careful when you get to that place in life because that place in life is where most people make poor decisions. When you get to that place where you start saying something, I just can't take no more. I just, you better be real careful what you begin to say because that's where people start to make poor decisions. And you only get one. Consider the fact that God said, Adam, I want you to be me in the earth. Adam said, I don't want to do it through his actions. God said, I still love you, but you ain't never coming back in Eden. Do you see what I'm saying? So, yes, God had mercy. Yes, God had grace. Yes, God had forgiveness. But also there is this element that we have to realize that, 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 YOLO. So he was vexed to death. Verse 17. Come on, let's preach it out, y'all. Y'all want me to do it? You tell me you want me to do it. That he told her all his heart. He told her all that was in his mind. And he said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head. For I have been consecrated. Motivated. And dedicated to God from my mother's womb. But if you shave my head, then my strength will leave me and I will become weak like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all in his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying, come upon him once more because he told me everything this time. So the lords of the Philistine came upon her and brought 
the money in their hand. Okay. Can I, I haven't been able to preach in eight years. Can I just do it tonight? I've had to lay foundations. So I haven't been able to preach. Watch verse 19. Then she lulled him to sleep. She said sweet words from the devil's nectar. She said, she said words that made him feel good in the moment. But those words that made him feel good in the moment were the words that would become his destruction. She lulled him to sleep. Now, some of y'all are saying, Bishop, what, what are you trying to say? How can I make this apropos in my life? There are things that sound sweet to you. There are things that sound real good to you because they are giving in to your weaknesses and they are giving in to your insecurities and they are giving in to your inadequacies. But baby, on the other side of that lull, Sometimes the enemy knows what to say to you at the wrong time. And he lulls you. And you begin to rock. Steady. Steady rocking. And then you start deducing in your mind. Well, I'm not that. I'm not a king and a priest. That's, that's right. I'm not going to be the curse breaker. So you start now, you now because it's lulling your insecurities. It's, it's making them feel good. It's making your weaknesses feel good. And so you are a victim, aren't you? I am. Life's not been fair to you, huh? It hasn't. God must not love you. I wonder if he does. Why are you giving? Hmm. So he rocks you and lulls you to sleep. To sleep. What is the purpose of getting you to sleep? So you're unaware of what he's taking. Okay. I ain't got nobody to help me. I tried, I tried to preach. Y'all didn't want to help me preach. So he falls to sleep and they shave his head. And watch this. Then his strength left him. And look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So look, he said, I will go out as I have before and I'll shake myself free. Oh, God. But he didn't know that while he was entertaining his inadequacies and being lulled by his insecurities, he didn't know that his strength was, I come to speak strength into somebody tonight because his strength had left him and the Lord departed from him. But I come to speak it in your life. Who am I preaching to? I come to speak strength back into you. I come to speak a second wind back into you. I come to declare power back into you. You don't have time to be sleeping now. 
shout YOLO. What's this? Somebody pull that up uh, straight out the spirit. That's nowhere in the paper. Say dedicated. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me, Harvest. Harvest is not a social clique. Nor is it simply a good place for networking. When we assemble, God is meeting us to give you what you need for life. And with the technological advances that exist today, there's no reason to ever miss church. Because while you're missing church, Satan is rocking you. Come on, act like y'all can count. While you sitting at home talking about I'm not going tonight, Satan is like, oh, I got him. Oh, and I'm going to rock them to sleep. And then I'm going to take everything they've worked hard to get. And when they get up and try to fight for it, the problem is they won't realize they don't even have the strength to do it this time. Because while they were getting rocked and lulled and rocked by baby, I took it. He lost his dedication. I want to challenge you tonight, challenge us all tonight, today, tomorrow, good morning, good evening, whatever. I want to challenge you. Don't lose your dedication. Not just to Jesus, but to church. And let me speak to our house. Harvesters. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Because while you're if you begin to fade in your dedication and your consecration and your motivation, Satan says, I'll just rock you. I'll just rock you and I'll rob you blind. And then you'll wake up one day and say, what happened to all of that peace I had? You gave it. What happened to all that joy I had? You got it. What happened to my passion for serving? You gave it up. Because he rocked you. And he took it. But we don't have one day to waste. YOLO. Act like a Nazarite. (laughs) Be dedicated. Be motivated. Be consecrated. Touch your neighbor and say, let him stretch you. Let him stretch you. Let him stretch you. I said, let him stretch you. Last story, and I promise I'm done because the clock says I'm out of time. And I'm done. But somebody came. Somebody was praying something. Because we went a whole nother direction. Uh, I have dos minutos. There's a story in the Bible, Genesis 11. Do not flip there. We do not have time. Do not put it on the screens. Because <laughs> that will open up a whole other thing. And in Genesis 11 tells this story about how when the people were of one mind, the Bible says nothing was impossible for them. And because nothing was impossible for them, because they were of one mind, it was so incredible what they were able to do that they began to build a tower because they said, let us build a tower and we will ascend to the heavens. The tower was named Babel. God later confused them from being able to speak one language, and it was called Babylon, which means confusion. Hear me. It was so amazing to God himself that he stepped out of eternity 
and came down to earth and said, look at what these people do. They are of one mind. Because they were a church, can I make it practical for us, that acted like Nazarites. And they were a church that pressed toward the high calling. And they were a church that was convinced they had to be the enemy's worst nightmare. And because of that, the scripture says there was nothing that could be withheld from them. So much so God stepped out of heaven just to see what they were building. Say we are harvest. harvest. There's a church in South Korea that is a million members. No, you didn't hear me. A million. In 07, it was 750,000. Since 07, in about seven years at the time of this message, they've grown 250,000 people. In case you didn't know, South Korea is not a Christian nation. You're missing it. But God looked over what they were doing and said, look at the unity here. This is a church full of Gideons. This is a church full of Nazarites. This is a church full of unselfish people that press toward the high calling. And God looked at what they did and said, I will build of you, not a church of thousands. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof. Not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today. Hey, hey. 